Making It Plain, a podcast dedicated to discussing real issues that impact Black communities, Black families, and Black women. Your host, Dr. Key, is dedicated to discussing Black issues in a way everyone can relate. Welcome to Making It Plain podcast with Dr. Key. In season two, episode three of Making It Plain, we have with us Dr. Lynette Moore. She is a physician and holistic health coach. She is board certified in family, internal, and obesity medicine. She is my guest today to talk Black health. Welcome, Dr. Lynette. Thank you so much. I am excited to have this conversation with you. And hello to your audience. Thank you. So Black people are plagued with many different types of illnesses. What are some of the common illnesses that Black people should be aware of and should be watching for in their own health? That is an excellent question to start out this this conversation. Um, Let me first say that uh, Black Americans are more likely um, to to lead out and die uh, from all causes of of health conditions. And common ones um, that I would like to start with is hypertension. Um, That is very prevalent in our community. And estimates are that one out of every third person, every Black person has hypertension. Now that is is significant. Um, Also diabetes, that is uh, running rampant in our communities. And uncontrolled diabetes leads to severe consequences such as Um, amputations, and the number one cause of death from diabetes is heart disease. Now, let's talk about heart disease. That actually is the number one cause of death just nationwide. Um, But unfortunately for for us, uh, for for Blacks, we have more um, cardiac complications, congestive heart failure, and the the statistics uh, do not look good, uh, but I am hopeful that we can um, make changes. I am hopeful that just because um, things we, we are trailing, um, that by uh, changes personally and also to structurally um, in the community, we can improve those statistics. So there is hope. There's hope. There's hope. So how can we begin to prevent some of these illnesses? I know you said heart disease, you said diabetes, and you said hypertension. What are some things that we can do to either prevent or maybe even manage if we have been diagnosed with some of these? That is an excellent question. Now, when it comes to uh, prevention, there are um, risk factors that we can um, address uh, personally. And there are some risk factors that are not modifiable. So let me start with the non-modifiable ones. Um, That um, includes our, let's say, our family history. You know, I can't change the genes I inherited from from my mother and my father. But the good news is that through our lifestyle, um, we can modify the expression of some of those genes. Um, so what type of uh, risk factors can we uh, modify? We can modify um, our blood pressure, for example, by improving um, 
our intake of fruits and vegetables. Fruits are high in potassium. Potassium is good for blood pressure uh, regulation. We can increase our water you know, intake, physical activity, um, getting adequate sleep. So those are just some basic uh, things to just start uh, with improving um, these, these risk factors to modify uh, blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease. And the good news is that lifestyle modification can improve many, many health conditions. I think that's that's huge. Um, that that I see so many people changing and going into vegan, um, and I even see the shift within my own family where we prefer to eat so many vegetables and fruits mm-hmm. over meat. Um, and so it's mm-hmm. it's a shift. It's really a shift in how. We were raised. Yes. There's a shift. I don't even cook the things that my parents cooked when we were growing up, you know, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of it was high in salt or, you know, high in fat. And so you, mm-hmm. it's really a mind shift culturally within, within our own homes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just looking back, you know, you mentioned your childhood, you know, we ate good. Our parents did what, what they what they knew. They did the best they could. And and you must admit the food tasted good. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. The food was good. The food was good. Yes, indeed. Was amazing. But when I think about how we learn to cook when we go back to slavery, yes. we're given the scraps and we yes. made amazing dishes out of those scraps. And so we learn to live off a little. A little bit yes. of money, but yeah, I know in my home it was like beans, you get you some ham hocks, you get you some cornbread. Mm-hmm. That was a meal. It, exactly. And, you know, you throw in some grease, you fry it, fry it, add some salt. You could turn anything, anything to something that tastes good. I remember and, this dish my grandmother made called salt pork, oh. right? And the pork was, it was salty and I loved it. Now mm-hmm. I think it would be a shock to my system. Yes. I it. But back then it was a normal, it was a normal thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned about if you had all that salt today, it would be a shock to your system. And uh, believe it or not, your taste buds do adapt and change as you decrease the salt sodium intake, you get new taste buds about every two weeks. And so what you used to could tolerate and uh, really enjoyed in the past, that since you've decreased the amount of sodium, your new taste buds would be shocked. And so <laughs> that's the beauty of our, of our bodies. Um, they can adapt. They can adapt to, to changes. And you mentioned it is, it is a, a mindset. You know, because transformation begins in the mind. Um, so as you transform the mind by learning education, which is what's, what I love to do, I love to educate and empower persons um, on the benefits of, of a plant-based diet, especially. Um, and and it's just exciting. It's a joy to see persons to say, hey, you know, I've tried these these new fruits and veggies and actually enjoying it and getting the benefits, the health benefits from these fruits, vegetables, whole whole grains, nuts, and seeds. You know, when I think about um, changing 
changing our, our, our thought process and changing our foods. I can't help but think about those things that we cannot change that really impacts the Black community, such as mm-hmm. stress. Yeah. What does stress in, in like our environment play in these different illnesses? Because we are constantly traumatized yes. by the things that are really happening within the Black community. Correct. Stress is a huge factor in in our diseases. Um, stress, but stress can be can be managed, um, but uncontrolled stress puts out increased elevated cortisol hormones, increased epinephrine, norepinephrine um, in our bodies. And when you think about the stress hormones, um, they were, you know, designed to help in that flight or f- fight or flight uh, system that we learned about, you know, in school. You know, if there's an emergency, you know, if there's a, a bear running after you or a dog, you know, you got to get that. You got to get moving and your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you know, your pupils, you know, get big um, so that you can can escape that emergency. But unfortunately, for you know our community because of of all that we are have endured and are enduring and plagued with that emergency seems to always be on it's like the house is just always on fire and and i equate that house being on fire fire being our bodies being on fire with the chronic inflammation that it is exposed to uh from this this ongoing stress, you know, day in and, and, and day out. And uncontrolled um, inflammation, just chronic inflammation, leads to diabetes, leads to immune system dysfunction, which can, you know, increase risks uh, for, for COVID, other infections, for, for cancers, um, increase blood pressure. And the, the list goes on and on. Inflammation, uh, chronic stress can touch every part of a person's mental health, physical health, and of course, environmental, you know, health, um, you know, such as, you know, toxic, you know, relationships. Stress um, is a horrible thing, but we can learn some tools to help, you know, manage it, uh, may not get rid of the stress. But again, I I like to uh, provide hope and empowerment that there are things that we can do to, you know, take charge of our our health and to to have some joy, even in the midst of of, of pain and and sorrow. And there is a uh, a mnemonic that I like to share uh, when it comes to just overall um, lifestyle. Um, It's called Follow the Rainbow. Follow the Rainbow to Hope healing, uh, uh, transformation, and restoration. And I'd like to share that with you um, at this time. Um, the The R in rainbow is rest, and uh, rest is critical um, in stress management, um, in, in inflammatory uh, control. I safely can say that probably... Many of us, most of us don't get adequate rest, you know, with the advent of the little smartphones and the iPads that we can, you know, have on our bedside or in the beds with us that we are up 
late hours you know, of the night and it's impacting our health. Also, the A in rainbow is activity. Exercise is medicine. It helps lower your blood pressure, improves diabetes, decreases risk uh, for cancer. It helps with your, your mental health. You know, for me personally, if I, if I miss a day of exercise, I can feel the tension build up within me and I have to get out and go. Um, we have to take care of our, our mental health. The eye in rainbow is ingest a rainbow of foods. And you know, I, I love looking at the rainbow uh, with all of those colors. The more colors you eat, the more phytochemicals and uh, nutraceuticals you, you take in, which can help combat inflammation and the onset of degenerative uh, diseases. So the more, the merrier. Um, the B in rainbow is believe and trust in divine power. I believe that uh, faith, um, a person's spirituality is critical. It's just overall mental and physical health. The O in rainbow is overcome. We should take a self-inventory and see what things in our lives, uh, what things in our, our, our lifestyle practices, in our environments may not be the healthiest and make a decision to, um, or to make a plan to try to overcome. Because if we keep, you know, there's, there's that saying, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So again, taking a self-inventory and see what, what is in your power to change and make a decision to do that. And the last um, part of Rainbow is water. Um, drinking plenty of water is healing for your body. Our body is made of 60, 70 uh, percent water. Your brain is about 80 percent. I, I see that water that you are sipping on. Water is, is medicine. It's critical for um, optimal blood flow to get those blood cells, which is the basic unit of life to flow through your body and to deliver those nutrients. So follow the rainbow to hope healing restoration. And I'm going to say to decrease inflammation also. Thank you for that. Recently, the there has been a focus on, many states have done this. They have declared racism a public health crisis, right? Yes. And I feel like that is so crucial to Black health. Yes. What are your views on that? I, I agree that racism is a public health crisis. Now, if you had asked me that question when I started out in, you know, in my training, um, you know, through medical school and, and um, residency, I, I would have to think about that long and hard. And, you know, sometimes I might say no and other days I may have said yes. But I can definitely say at this point, after what um, has transpired over this past year, that, yes, racism is a public health um, crisis. And and even just looking at the statistics of, of black health, you know, we, we, we're number one in this disease. We're number one um, in, in cancers. We're number one um, in deaths, you know, here and there. That is an emergency. That is certainly an emergency. And, and I am, I, I am, 
I'm thankful. We have a, a long way to go. And when I say we, I'm sort of talking about humanity in general, um, you know, of us, um, but also um, those who, um, I guess, have the majority power. This episode is sponsored by Belinda B, the original boss bag designed for women on the go. Visit bbbossbags.com. But I would like to share with you, uh, Dr. Keith, um, that um, in January, the American Psychological Association, the APA, issued an apology. Um, and have you have you um, heard about that apology that was issued um, on January 18th? I did not hear about the apology. Yeah. Okay. Nope, I, I actually have a copy of it, and I'd like to share at least the first paragraph of hey. from it with you. Okay. So this is the title of it. Um, again, it's from the American Psychiatric Association. It was released on January 18th of this year. And it says the APA's apology to Black, Indigenous, and people of color for its support of structural racism in psychiatry. And here's the first sentence. I mean, I'm sorry, the first paragraph. Today, the APA, the oldest national physician association in the country, is taking an important step in address, addressing racism in psychiatry. The APA is beginning the process of making amends for both the direct and indirect acts of racism in psychiatry. The APA Board of Trustees apologizes to its members, patients, their families, and the public for enabling discriminatory and prejudicial actions within the APA and racist practices in psychiatric treatment for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. The APA is committed to identifying, understanding, and rectifying our past injustices as well as developing anti-racist policies that promote equity and mental health for all. And this letter can actually, can be found on, you know, the, the internet. Um, and, and when I read this, I, it, it sort of shocked me. I mean, we knew that these injustices existed, but to actually have the acknowledgement uh, from the medical community of which I am a part of, um, I was, it, it, it really. Um, I think uh, that's a start though, right? Yes, it is. A, it have, is a start. They have for so long, and I'm just saying they, like people in general have for so long said racism does not exist. Yes. They called the United States a post-racial climate. Mm-hmm. We have still been in the in the in the struggle of racism. It is not mm-hmm. a post-racial climate. We are still suffering exactly infections in our workplace, in our health, and everything that we do, we're still suffering from it. So I feel like that's a first step. Yes. Especially when we go back to you know, I was been reading some, you know, the oldest psychiatric hospital. I, I read uh went to a lecture on that hospital, some people who are doing some research there. And we they talked about how during slavery, when when they started to free slaves, and they would say that free slaves were prone to mental illness, and those that were slave were not. So only if you were free 
would you have a mental illness? And then they would mm-hmm. diagnose you with some kind of, you know, whatever type of mental illness because you were free, you were prone to that. But if you remained a slave, you weren't. And so Black people are still, we don't trust doctors mm-hmm. because of that. We don't mm-hmm. trust mental health doctors because mm-hmm. that has been embedded in our families to not trust doctors, especially with mental health. Um, right. so I think that's an important start for us to, one, to be able to make change, but two, to be able to get some healing. Yeah. I'm building that trust back up so that we can get some of the help that we need. Because yeah. honestly, if we think about it, the health conditions that we have have been imposed on us. Yeah. By the environments in which we live. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned the diagnosis of mental illness um, of the freed slaves. You may have come across that slaves that attempted to run away, that they diagnosed them with, it was a term called drapetonia. And that was the mental health term that they used for slaves that are trying to you know, escape. And, and again, I, I, I appreciate the statement because as you mentioned, it is a start. And especially because this is the oldest National Physician Association. So since it was the first and oldest, its practices have filtered into other specialties. And as you mentioned, the CDC just this month declared racism a public health crisis. So, you know, again, if COVID hadn't happened, if the, you know, the tragic deaths of George Floyd, would these statements have come out? You know, I'm I'm going to be hopeful and say, well, I hope so. But at least it's a start and hopefully we will improve from here. Yes. The United Nations also released a statement about racism and the treatment of Black people within the United States. And it's so important because based on the conditions of police brutality and black males that they could be considered like prisoners of war and they can like be able to take refuge in other countries because of that. Mm. So they're releasing these statements so that there can be some serious change within the United States. But, you know, as we stated, they have to own that there's a problem. And I think for so long, they never owned that there was a problem. Yes. It just continued. It just continued. As business as usual, and the and the and the problems fester, impacted our mental health, impacted our families, impacted our our physical health, right? Yes. And then yes. we now we get to a pandemic, and they're like, why are black people impacted by this pandemic so much? Well, mm-hmm. we are the ones who suffering so much, and yes, we have all these other health conditions. It comes right out of that suffering. So why should Black people consider plant-based lifestyles? That is an excellent question. I have read that actually the largest, the fastest growing segment of vegans plant-based are Black Americans. As I mentioned earlier, a plant-based lifestyle includes abundance of fruits, vegetables, seeds, whole grains, those nutrients that are found in predominance and help prevent and heal disease. And 
The the goal is to actually aim for five to nine servings of fruits and veggies a day. The more color, the more uh, quantity will help decrease some of those diseases that we had discussed. But of course, you know, if you add uh, something, you have to look at, well, what needs to be possibly, you know, decreased? So if someone is contemplating a a plant-based diet, but they don't feel as if they are quite quite ready to totally become vegan or eliminate, you know, all animal products. And I would say just start with maybe uh, going, having some fish as opposed to, you know, getting rid of everything. And then as you um, incorporate more fruits, veggies, start feeling better. And you can decide later on to just get rid of all animal products. It actually took me, I've been a vegetarian for about almost, I guess, over 25 years. And what I did initially was just, I just stopped all flesh and I thought that was the healthiest thing uh, to do, but I was actually an unhealthy vegetarian. So you can be plant-based and still be unhealthy. Definitely have to increase your fruits, vegetables, just overall whole plant foods. Mm -hmm. So I, I know you're a health coach. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Like, why should individuals consider hiring a health coach? I would like to preface that. Just when you go to your your physician's office, how much time do you have with your your physician? I mean, (laughs) 10 minutes is getting less and less and less, right? Exactly. The goal is to, unfortunately get the, the, the patient in and get the patient out because you have another one, you know, waiting uh, for your services. But a health coach has more time. And a health coach focuses on the goals that you want for yourself. It helps you refine those goals up and come up with a plan, a personalized personalized. And what type of services do a health coach, you know, sort of provide you with? Well, I mean, there are different types of health coaches, but I'll, I can focus on the services that I, that I provide. So I provide lifestyle makeovers where a client, their daily life from the moment that they wake up to the time they go, go to bed is looked at and seeing what factors in the lifestyle is conducive or conducive to meeting the health and wellness goals that they desire. So that's a, a lifestyle you know, makeover. Also provide kitchen makeovers mm-hmm. because you know, if you're going to have a lifestyle makeover, you got to have your kitchen, <laughs> most likely have your kitchen made over also. So looking at your cupboard, your, your refrigerator, and seeing how we can transform the kitchen into a pharmacy, and that's pharmacy with an F, so that we can transform your plate into a plate full of new plant nutraceuticals, again, to keep you healthy. And how do you work with the clients? Do you do most of it virtually? Yes, I, I, I do virtual. And, and of course, that's because of the, the pandemic, maybe as things, you know, improve, hopefully, then I may, you know, incorporate some in-person. But for now, yes, it's, it's virtual. Well, I want to thank you for giving us your expertise and your insight on health and how we can maintain 
our health and how we should be thinking about moving towards more plant-based, even if it's just increasing to that nine servings of fruits and vegetables in our diet. I want to know how can my listeners keep in touch with you? Yes, I would love to have them keep in touch with me. Um, I am on social media, Instagram, and my Instagram handle is Dr. Lynette, M-D, and that's D-R period, L-Y-N-N-E-T-T-E-M-D. Also on that Instagram uh, site there, I can be reached through the link or a DM could be sent to me. I also have my website, which is drlynettemd.com, and that's D-R-L-Y-N-N-E-T-T-E-M-D.com. And I would uh, invite uh, your audience to just stop on the homepage, and there is a, a gift that is waiting for them on the homepage if they sign up to uh, be on my mail list. And lastly, and a very easy way to keep abreast of what services that I provide, they can text Dr. Lynette, D-R-L-Y-N-N-E-T-T-E, to the number 22828. Again, they can text Dr. Lynette to 22828. Oh, that's great. That is So great. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and really, you know, telling us about the health things that we should be looking out for. I know that um, oftentimes we are dealing with life and we I find that black people often are in the emergency room like, oh, my gosh, my blood pressure is up. And it's like, how did you get to the emergency room? What what happened between the emergency yes. room and all that time? Your your blood pressure should have been fluctuating throughout that time. But for some reason, we miss those cues. And it's important for us to really sort of focus on our health in the height of our, our the racism that we're experiencing. It's even more important for us to focus on our health, especially when they said that COVID-19 we're, the individuals with all these different health conditions were more prone to COVID-19. And I yes. mean, that almost lists everybody. Um, exactly. It's so important right now for us to really, really stay in tune with our bodies, stay in tune with our health. So thank you, Dr. Lynette, for sharing your expertise. To my audience, this is Making It Plain with Dr. Key. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dr. Lynette. Please follow her for joining us and sharing your information. Please follow us, Making It Plain with Dr. Key on Instagram to keep up with the latest episodes. And you can also visit the website, www.thedrkey.com. Thank you for listening to Making It Plain with your host, Dr. Key. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Sparkman Key Consulting, LLC. Check us out at www.thedrkey.com.